Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter, Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm fine. Episode 74. Episode 74 and the second anniversary of us launching Dad and Daughter Do Death. Yeah, so, February February 2021. Yeah, so happy happy second anniversary, Dad and Daughter Do so, Death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, it's it's good. It's good fun. Keeps us connected. Yes. And uh, it, it introduces some interesting true crime stories that people might not otherwise have come across. It does. It definitely does. And uh, yeah, it gives us an excuse to talk to each other <laughs> talk to in each more other, depth yeah. rather than just like, <laughs> how are you today? Yeah. So it's nice to to have this as a, as a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, how are you? Yeah, fine. How's work? Yeah, fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's good that we've we've got this to do something fun together, even though we're still quite a long way away from each other. Yeah, indeed. Any true crime news this week? It's been quite a big week for true crime news, really, hasn't it? I think the yeah. big case at the moment is um, the disappearance of Nicola Bully, which you did remind me is not strictly true crime. But obviously, the police are involved. <laughs> the police are involved, and is a missing person case. So, um, yes, that's it's just it's just so weird. Like, where's she gone? Missing person cases just hurt my head because yeah. it's just like, how do people just disappear? Disappear. And where do they go? There are so many missing people cases. Yeah. most of them we don't hear about, but this one is particularly. Yeah. Well, I suppose difficult because of the two young children and yeah, yeah. And she was just like a relatively young lady out walking with her dog, and she just dis- she just vanished in the space of like twenty a minutes. A few minutes, yeah. yeah. There's a few minutes where people weren't around to yeah. witness what happened to her, and it's yeah. very strange. Even if it is a crime, then the timing is incredible. <laughs> She must have been like stalked, or that must have been planned. That can't, have, or it would have been incredibly fortunate. Seems the wrong word, but incredibly coincidental that it all lined up so much that yeah. someone just happened yeah. to come across her in that tiny window of time. But so, so weird. We have to be careful, though, not to speculate too much, because that's what the friends and family are saying, aren't they? Don't don't speculate too much. Cause yeah, I'm sure yeah. everyone's got theories, yeah. but we don't want to. Perpetuate any that uh, we have absolutely no clue about. Literally no idea, but it's just absolutely insane. Hopefully, when we next talk, there might be some sort of news on it, but it's just crazy. Like, unless they find her or somebody comes forward with Mm. some sort of more information, I just don't know where this this could go on forever, couldn't it? As missing people cases do sometimes. The other big true crime news this week was the awful story of the head teacher at that school in Epsom who was murdered yeah. along with her daughter and her husband killed himself, the police believe. Um, yeah, looks like it with a shotgun, I believe. Awful story. Yeah, shotgun. There's a rifle range at the school, they said. But there are not many schools with rifle ranges. Yes, that that is a tragic. Mm, but really it so seems. Fairly open and closed that case though. Yeah, um, I think so. Yes, just uh, yeah, a big, a big news story from the week. Yeah, tragic for the family. Yeah, awful. In my uh, calendar of true crime trivia, 
There was an, uh, just a little snippet that caught my eye, and it's around about a lot of these stories are American, but um, based on American law. But this is, this is based around the Sixth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which promises that those accused of a crime should have a fair and speedy trial overseen by a judge and decided by an impartial jury. However, and- today, only about 6% of state criminal cases go to trial. No way. That's that's yeah. nothing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, even in the 1960s, apparently, it was only like 25 to 30% that actually went to trial. And in federal cases... It's only around 3% that actually end up going before a judge and jury. And the reason is that most criminals take a plea deal, Mm, a plea bargain, before getting into court because they figure that, yeah, they might get some sort of punishment, but it might be better to take what's on the table than whatever a judge and jury might find them guilty of and therefore sentence them for in in a trial. But yeah, I just it's fascinating that such a low percentage of uh, criminal cases actually go to trial. So. I'm really surprised by that. Maybe that's why they've got so too. many people in prison, <laughs> because <laughs> there have been loads of people who have been found innocent, but they chose to take a plea deal instead. Well, there, with, is. <laughs> there is that. Tonight, Dad, I am going to tell you about a case that we touched on very briefly, actually, a couple of months ago. You probably don't remember it. It was in passing. Um, But I think that you would have heard about it on the news. So tonight I'm going to tell you about the story of Gemma Mitchell and the murder of Mi Quin Chong, also known as Deborah Chong. Okay. So Gemma Mitchell was born and grew up in Australia where her mum worked for the UK's Foreign and Commonwealth Office. She moved to the UK with her mum and sister after her parents split up. And in 2004, she attended King's College London to study a human sciences degree. The qualification had a course titled Structural Basis of Human Functioning, during which she learned to dissect the human body and another module covering experimental anatomy. Mm-hmm. She demonstrated such skill during her study of this topic in particular that she was awarded the Hamilton Prize for Anatomical Excellence and she graduated with a first class degree. She often boasted on online forums about her dissection skills and on okay. her own website. After studying osteopathy at the British School of Osteopathy, she returned to Australia where she set herself up as an osteopath. But then she moved back to the UK in 2015, but she couldn't work in the UK. She wasn't registered with the General Osteopathic Council over here. I don't know why she didn't register. When she moved back to the UK, Gemma Mitchell shared a house with her mum, who was by now retired, and her sister in Wilsdon, North West London. This property was actually worth about £4 million. Ooh, so wow. it wasn't, you know, just a little flat, but it was it was quite a a big house worth a lot of money but it was in quite a state of disrepair it had been in the family for several generations had just been kind of passed down right it was in serious need of renovation the rooms were crammed full of stuff um you couldn't go into some of these rooms there were boxes and suitcases and freezers full of old food old mattresses and building materials everywhere the kitchen was dirty there was like rotting food on the oven and it was messy there was paperwork everywhere you right. can paint it in your head, can't you? Apparently the bathroom was stained and in a poor state of repair. 
and the place just looked like a kind of hoarders mm-hmm. so you can kind of you can imagine what this house looked yeah like. so Gemma is said to have had a really turbulent relationship with her sister and I struggled to find out more about this but in 2016, she had a conviction for breaching a non-molestation order relating to her oh. sister and brother-in-law, um, which sounds like quite a serious sort of uh, yeah. charge to be brought against you. But she was given a conditional discharge for the offence from the North West London Magistrates Court. But okay. um, yeah, I can see why maybe their relationship was turbulent. In around August 2020, so peak covid Gemma met Mi Kuen Chong, who was also known as Deborah, at a church that they both attended in London. And the two women, described as devout Christians, became very close friends. Deborah was originally from Kuala Lumpur, and she lived in London for 30 years. Another friend from the church said that she was sweet and she had a childlike nature. She was a widow, and she also suffered from paranoid schizophrenia, and she was taking antipsychotic medication to manage this condition. Oh, okay. It's not entirely clear how they became friends. Some think that it's because Gemma was offering to support Deborah with some sort of physical health ailments that she had due to her kind of osteopathy. And other people think that it's because Gemma had promised to kind of cure her mental illnesses with some spiritual healing. Oh. Deborah was struggling a lot with her mental health at this point, And she believed that she was actually having a relationship with Prince Charles, not King Charles, but at the time, Prince Charles. And she believed that she could communicate with him via YouTube. She was also being supported by the local community mental health team because she kept sending letters to Prince Charles and Prime Minister at the time, Boris Johnson. So she was getting quite a lot of support from mental health teams in the community. Yeah. So Deborah and Gemma had this friendship. And at the time, Gemma and her mum had planned to start trying to make some improvements on their house. They wanted to add another floor to it. I mean, clearing it out might have been a better idea, but (laughs) add another floor, more stuff, fine. And they'd started building works, but they'd been cheated out of £230,000 by two builders they'd hired for the project, which isn't ideal, is it? Deborah was quite wealthy. She had a nice house in a nice part of London. And she had agreed to give Gemma £200,000. And the two had texted back and forth about it quite a lot. But around the time that Gemma was expecting to have this money, mm-hmm. Deborah withdrew the offer and said to Gemma, actually, you know what? You should sell that £4 million house, enjoy the money and buy somewhere else. Just leave the grotty house behind, buy somewhere new. Gemma wasn't very happy about this. Ah. So on the morning of the 9th of June, 2021... Gemma travelled at about half past six in the morning to Deborah's house in Wembley, carrying a large blue suitcase. What then happened has kind of been pieced together, but it's believed that she killed Deborah by either hitting her over the head or smashing her head into like a the corner of like a oh. worktop or something like that. And then folded her body up and put it into the suitcase that she'd taken with her, breaking her ribs in the process. She then took the suitcase with her when she left the property several hours later and was seen on several bits of CCTV, like ring doorbells and dash cams and things like that, carrying this or dragging and struggling to drag this bulky case around London for two hours, which seems weird, before she was then picked up by a taxi. Later that evening, she took herself to hospital to be treated for a broken finger. She claimed that she'd shut it in the door. But actually, in hindsight, 
the police think it was more likely that it had been broken in the struggle to kill her okay. friend. Okay, yeah. She also stole some documents from Deborah's house. And then together with some documents that she stole from a recently deceased neighbour, she attempted to use them to forge a will, leaving the bulk of Deborah's £700,000 estate to Gemma. Mm -hmm. So she was going to kind of forge the will so she'd get all the money so she could build this extra floor or do whatever she wanted to do with that money. Deborah was reported missing by her lodger the next day. And as a close friend, Gemma was obviously questioned by the police as to her whereabouts. They could see on her phone that they'd been texting recently mm-hmm. and that they they knew she'd been to the house. And, and Gemma said that Deborah had said that she'd gone to stay with some family friends somewhere close to the ocean and that she'd been feeling depressed. So the police were, you know, concerned about her welfare and carried on looking for her. In the meantime, Gemma had taken that suitcase containing Deborah's body back to her house and she was storing it in her garden and she kept it in the garden for two weeks and then what she did was she reactivated Deborah's phone after a couple of weeks and used it to hire a car from London and on the 26th of June she drove 200 miles down to Sulcombe in Devon on the way she got a burst tire and the mechanic who was sent to change the wheel noticed that Gemma was acting really strangely and wouldn't let him put the broken wheel in the boot. She made him put it on the back seat. And he also noticed there was an odd musty smell coming from the vehicle. Mm. But her tire was changed, okay, and she completed her journey. And then she dumped Deborah's body on a woodland path near Bennett Road, just by the sea in Sulcombe. Okay. The, the head had been decapitated. And so it was just the body that was found by holiday makers the following day, just on this path. She wasn't in the suitcase anymore. She was just out in the okay. open. But this was nearly three weeks after she'd been murdered. So Ooh. we know from the, from doing this and from our trip to postmortem life and things like that, her body wasn't going to be in a very nice uh, <laughs> state. After three weeks. After three no. weeks of being in a suitcase in June, outside. <laughs> was her head decapitated at the time she was killed or yeah, when so she was dumped? The police found her head four days later, separate, about 10 metres away from the rest of her body. And right. it had definitely been decapitated. It hadn't just been sort of like taken off by animals. It had been... I'm- Oh, no, I was just wondering if she was decapitated whilst oh. in the suitcase. Otherwise, there'd be blood and stuff pouring out everywhere, wouldn't there? I don't think they know entirely, but okay. there must have been. We'll come on to it in a little bit, but they must. Okay. There must have been some sort of lining in that suitcase because there was no sort of like seepage or anything right. coming out of the suitcase. So there must have been. She must Which have been in something weeks, in the suitcase. Some... Yeah, definitely. Right, okay. After they found her head. They obviously put that with the rest of her body, but they decided that she was too badly decomposed to determine a a true cause of death. But a post-mortem did ascertain that she'd received a fracture to the skull, leading them to believe that she'd been kind of, she'd suffered this head injury from Gemma Mitchell. So Gemma Mitchell was arrested on the 6th of July, 2021. So after a couple of weeks of them investigating, and she was subsequently charged with Deborah's murder. During her custodial interrogation, she repeatedly told investigators no comment and she appeared at Wilsdon Magistrate Court on the 10th of July and then she entered a plea of not guilty on the 28th of September, but her trial started on the 11th of October 2022. So really quite recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But about a year after all this was going on. Yes. A year and a bit. Yeah. 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 
Um, it should have been a bit earlier, apparently, but it was delayed because of the barrister strikes. Ah, yeah. Little side note. The <laughs> trial was told that she'd obviously been an osteopath, that she a practicing osteopath for seven years, and that her professional website had had described her as being attuned to subjects in neuroanatomy, genetics, and dissection of human cadavers. Hmm. The court also heard that Deborah had been killed after she changed her mind about putting the money into the house renovation scheme. And the jurors were shown all of the CCTV footage of Gemma arriving at Deborah's house with the blue suitcase shortly mm-hmm. after 8 a.m. on the 11th, on, in June 2021, and then emerging with it looking bulkier and heavier at around quarter past one. She can't have been very big, Deborah, <laughs> to get her in a suitcase and for Gemma a, to be able to yeah. carry her around. She wasn't she was quite petite i'll share some pictures and you can see she's quite petite but i wonder if that's maybe why she cut her head off to try and fit her in the suitcase maybe but surely there would have been like a lot of blood in the house if that was the case you'd have thought they'd have found that anyway the court was told that deborah's body was discovered at the bottom of a set of steps and that along with the head the first two bones that form the spine as long as the larynx at the front of the neck were missing from her body a pathologist testified that injuries to her skull could have been sustained by either being pushed onto a surface or by a weapon but the trial heard that no weapon was ever found the will, the forged will that Gemma had written was found by police during the search of Gemma's house. And in that, she left, it purported to leave 95% of Deborah's estate to Mitchell and the other 5% to Gemma's mum. So, okay. um, oh. yeah, it was clearly, <laughs> so basically between them, they were getting 100% of the, of the will. The suitcase was then discovered on the roof of a neighbour's shed. So she tried to, sort of hide the suitcase but not very well she brought the suitcase back to yeah she brought the suitcase back to wilson with her so she just kind of dumped deborah's body out of it and took it back with her but no actual dna from deborah was found in the suitcase itself like in the lining of the suitcase oh wow but a blood-stained tea towel was discovered in the pocket of the suitcase Mm -hmm. which links it back to deborah so there must have been something in there to stop her sort of... Maybe she was in a plastic it. bag inside the yeah. suitcase or something like that. Yeah. yeah, or she washed it very well or something Off. like that. So Gemma declined to give any evidence in her defence. Um, but So the defence basically argued that there was no evidence to support the claim that her body had been in the suitcase at all due to the lack of DNA evidence. And there was no evidence of a struggle at Deborah's house. However, somebody murdered her and took yep. her down to Devon. Mm-hmm. So, and the they, car mechanic so, uh, was suspicious. And, yeah, <laughs> and the CCTV of her lugging this suitcase around certainly mm-hmm. doesn't look um, very favourable. I don't think it's quite circumstantial, is it? It looks like quite solid evidence to me. And they argued that actually, because she had so much money in the house. And she had £93,000 in personal savings. It didn't mean that she had a financial motive to kill her. So there was no reason for her to want to kill her. But after only seven hours of deliberation on the 27th of October 2022, Gemma Mitchell was convicted of the murder of Deborah Chong. Media reports described her as being not that interested, not that bothered when she was um, given (laughs) the verdict. And then Mm. the, the thing that made this story quite interesting 
one of the things that made the story quite interesting was the fact that it was the first sentencing trial to be televised. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Um, yes. And it's the first time that that had happened in the UK. That hearing took place on the 28th of October with a victim impact statement from Deborah's sister, who was still in Malaysia. And during the statement, the judge said that his uh, the aggravating factors in the case were that the killing had obviously been carried out for financial gain. The manner in which she treated Deborah's body was horrific. And that and the judge said that I'm driven to the conclusion that you are extremely devious. There is a chilling there is the chilling aspect of what you did to and with her body after you killed her. You have shown absolutely no remorse and it appears you're in complete denial as to what you did, notwithstanding what in my judgment amounted to overwhelming evidence against you. The enormity mm-hmm. of your crime is profoundly shocking, even more so given your apparent religious devotion and the fact that Deborah Chong was supposedly a good friend to you and had shown you great kindness. He then sentenced her to a life imprisonment with a minimum term of 34 years. Ooh, so wow. she's not eligible for parole until the 10th of July 2055. So that's quite a long time, isn't it? <laughs> that she's got to be in prison for. It is, yeah. yeah. Following her conviction, her mom maintained her innocence claiming that the suitcase had not contained a body, but crockery, cutlery and tea towels. Blood-soaked tea the towels. Blood-soaked tea towels, yeah. <laughs> On the day of her conviction, Detective Chief's Chief Inspector Jim Eastwood, who led the Met Police investigation into the case, said that she has never accepted responsibility for the murder. So there were some questions which remained unanswered, like why she kept her body for a fortnight, why she decapitated her, and why she deposited her remains in Sulcombe. And I think those are very good questions to ask. Why did she keep her body for two weeks? Why did she decapitate her? Why did she take her down to Sulcum? Because surely they'd have linked it, the body back up to where she came from, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Maybe Gemma thought that she wouldn't be recognisable without her head, but if it was so close, and that's. Yeah. Yeah. And there'd be DNA and stuff. It seems simultaneously. Well thought through and terribly thought through. Like yeah. she's like, oh, I'll go to Sulcum because they won't recognise it. Like, oh, I'll take this suitcase to move the body because no one will think to look at the suitcase. Hmm. But Sulcum's such a busy little seaside yeah. town, and that's not where you would everything. take somebody to like not be found. And, and it was in the summer, like yeah. July, was it? Twenty, which uh, is July, yeah. Even in twenty twenty one, with all the lockdown and everything still sort of going on there would have still been holiday makers yeah in and, and it was holiday makers who yeah. found the body yeah hmm i see what you mean yes it does seem a bit there's some weird decisions yeah. made but i guess she was panicking maybe she yeah. kept the body because she just didn't know what to do with it and, yeah could be that maybe um, she went over they had an argument and she pushed her down the stairs or smacked her head or something so it was something yeah, yeah. like not particularly you know, she didn't beat her to death, which would have caused a lot of blood. If she'd have just fell down the stairs and banged her head and then she just died, then there wouldn't have been a huge amount of cleaning up with her and then she kind of panicked. But yeah, then why did she take not. a suitcase with her to go to the house? Because she was obviously planning on putting something in that suitcase, sent to her house. And Unless she'd already killed her and she was going back. Yeah. I don't know. Because she had this lodger, didn't she? So if Oh, yeah. The, and it was the lodger who reported her missing. So Missing. Hmm. Yeah. Mysterious. Mysterious. Weird decisions. A horrible lady. Yeah. Who was the one that was writing the letters to the Prince Charles and the Prime Minister? 
That was Deborah Chong who was murdered. Deborah. Yeah. Right. So she was obviously quite mentally unstable at the time. But it's yeah. Gemma Mitchell that demonstrated the insanity. Even more mental inst- yeah. <laughs> instability. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, bringing that to my attention, that story. I, I kind of remember it going on, but didn't know much about the detail. Yeah, same. I remember hearing it. I think more just the fact that the sentencing was being broadcast and that she was, she'd was killed a, a woman, an older woman, but I didn't remember anything else about it, so I thought, well, that'd be quite an interesting one. Very interesting story. Yeah, again, thank you for bringing that to, to my attention. And, um, You're welcome. Did you say you had some pictures i'm sure there must be quite a lot as it's so recent lots of pictures yeah lots of pictures photos of Gemma, photos of deborah photos of the suitcase in various states of where they found it or and things like that so yes plenty of photos to share i'll share them on our instagram at dad and daughter do death our facebook dad and daughter do death if you wanted to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing us at dad and daughter do death at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, thank you very much. And please get in touch with us. Be good to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. And uh, we're doing relatively well with recording so far this year. And there are plenty more stories. And it, uh, and every time we hear one, like particularly the more recent ones, like the one you've just told us it how do people even go about doing that and yeah. thinking that they're gonna get away with it well yeah ultimately how do they think they're gonna get away with it but what is the thought process that goes behind the like the logistics of doing it yeah all? you know oh what yeah. a body hmm suitcase oh where am i gonna dump the body oh hire a car yeah, it's <laughs> yeah it's um I don't even think I'd take a body to more imaginative places to take someone in the ground. Yeah, like all the way. Don't yours? Yeah, like <laughs> she's in London. So why did she go all the way to Sulkham? She'd have been because better it's taking. Far away. She'd have been better taking that suitcase to the tip, and that would have been yeah. less of a journey. Well, thank you again, Phoebe. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time when once again, Dad and daughter do death.